Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by... I don't have anything, Joe. I don't. Yeah, I don't blame her. That's fitting <laughs> enough for today, I think. It's another jam-packed show, folks. We're here. We, we're just... We can't wait, can we, Jeremy? To dive into these shows. Very excited. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, shows? No, we've got to talk about the WWE financial call that just wrapped up shortly oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Big news from that, Jeremy, right? Big Huge. news. I mean, I can't get into details. For all, you know, we, we can't get into that kind of thing, can we, Jeremy? We're both investors. But, I mean, big things happened, right? Huge news coming out of the financial calls. You can check Fightful.com for all of the, the news. I, I wrote a bunch of articles on Vince McMahon and what he had to say. Just oh. everything that he got into. I can't believe some of this stuff that he explained the way he explained it. Uh, this was peak Vince McMahon on this call. I can't believe WCW is coming back. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited for it, but I think that's just another show for another day. But I agree with you. Just a shocking turn of events, that, to put it to put it, um, to put it lightly, Jeremy. And you've got a lot of raw stories to do. You've already done most of them, though, right? I've done the majority of them. I've yeah. got more to do. I'll probably be working until like 1, 2, 3 a.m., maybe get an hour or two of sleep and start working oh. again. But... Look, when WWE makes the announcements that they made with WCW coming back, their new television deal, their new streaming deal, it's it's a lot to talk about, Joe. It ain't easy on top, right? You know that. Vince knows that. I don't know it yet, but I can tell just from talking to you. Well, this is why we do this show, because I am the major star. And instead of just, you know, burying you in two or three minutes, I give you a six-minute rub, and then – that sounded really bad. Are we doing phrasing? Uh, I give you a six-minute rub, and then, you know, the casual fans are just all into it. See, I think we need to change it up. I think you need to stop with the, with the six-minute rub, Jeremy. I think you need to start thinking of the casual fans more. I think you need to take some liberties now moving forward. I think you should start cutting me off at every turn. Don't even throw it to me sometimes. I'll just sit here. And you can shine, man. This is your big star, right? You're selling the tickets, after all, in these empty arena shows. <laughs> Just gonna sit there during the six-minute rub. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> let's 
<laughs> Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. If people haven't tuned out by this point, God bless you. Um, we we don't have anything on the financial call. It hasn't happened yet. I ruined the whole bit right there, but it hasn't happened by the time we uh, we recorded this podcast. We are going to talk about the various happenings going on in the world of wrestling, which there are plenty of with these empty arena shows. Just a massive amount of, of great stuff to talk about, Joe. Yeah, we're really excited, as you can tell. Um, we're definitely not trying to delay this point of the show. Uh, we just want to dive into it, right, Jeremy? Where are we starting today, friend? Uh, the gimmick is we put five minutes on the clock. We talk about the topic. We always go over time because we time limits don't matter to us. Um, and we're going to start with WWE Money in the Bank climbing the corporate ladder, Joseph. They are going to mm-hmm. they film these matches at WWE HQ. They're starting on the bottom floor all the way up. They had the leaked exclusive drone photos that came out online of the ring and the ladders at the top of the uh, on the roof of WWE HQ with the crane that was holding the briefcases above them. What do you make of this gimmick, Joe? I'm going to make an assumption, and this is one of the most risky things we've ever done on this show. I'm going to assume that no one takes a dumb bump on a ladder in this match. And if that assumption proves correct in 12 weeks when this show happens, <laughs> I will say, bravo, they managed to do ladder matches that didn't make me feel uncomfortable watching guys kill each other in front of no fans. I think these will be funny. I think they're going to be full cinematic. There it is, Jeremy. Cinematic experiences in which people are doing silly business across the the, uh, the building. Lots of shenanigans. I don't think anyone should take it seriously. However, if once they get to the top of these ladders, they start having actual ladder matches and falling off them, I have no step. I can't go any further with this. Um, but I assume that isn't the case. Surely, I hope. So in that case, good idea, fun way of doing it without... I mean, I don't think this show needs to be happening anyway, but if you're going to do it, doing it this way is probably the best way to do it, I would say. You're insane. They are going to have a dumb ladder spot where oh, the ladder is going to be set up in the ring and it's going to be pushed over. There will be a table on the outside that they go crashing through. Nia Jax is going to threaten to throw someone off the roof of the building. It's It's going to be an absolute monstrosity. I'm excited for it. Look, I love dumb things like this the doomsday tower of doom the triple cage in wcw it's one of my favorite matches of all time for all the wrong reasons and this this is right up that alley climb the whole wwe hq can someone just take an elevator that's what i want to know i mean i want to make it clear firstly yes they can i've been told that (laughs) for a fact um but i want to be clear i never said anything about teasing building throws okay i know I mean, you say that match, I'll take that and raise you to the monster truck battle, which concluded with Hulk Hogan murdering the giant. Just legit. I mean, I don't think he intended to. I assume he was a baby face, right, Jeremy? But I mean, the giant fell to his death. Yeah, he he was. was, But he did go to the ring and like announce, sorry, guys, some awful (laughs) stuff happened. And then the giant just came out and he singlet. So, but that was was the time when Eric was doing the edgy characters and believable stories he always talks about. So nonetheless, um, I'm all for teasing throwing bit off buildings. I just don't want to bump on ladders, Jeremy. I want to make that clear. All right. Well, I think we're going to get a tease of the ladder is set up and they're going to, you know, shake and wobble it near the bill. And you're like, oh my God, she's going to plunge or he's going to plunge to his death 
right here. We're going to get that tease in this match. And if we don't, I got a question who put this match together. If you're not going to tease death like Renee Young in the main event, everyone check out our review of the main event. If you're not going to tease death, what are we here for? I mean, I just want to say, and I don't want to get into this as a topic, but whichever poor woman trusts Nia Jax to do a death tease on top of an actual building, they are, they love this industry in ways I can't even imagine. But you're right. I mean, it's a, it's an idea that is such a one-off. I assume we're not doing this every year, but at this point, maybe we're doing it for the next 10. Um, you may need to do something insane. And with wrestlers, that's all the excuse they need. Right? I mean, now you're talking about it. I'm terrified. That's what they're going to cook up. But I think... Here's the, here's the deal. Right? I'm not one of the guys that still looks forward to these matches because I just think I've seen these poor men and women do everything to each other on ladders. So for me, I am probably more... No, not even probably. I am much more excited for this than I would be just a normal ladder match, even if there was fans in the building. Like, it's... Is it going to be dumb? Absolutely. But at least it's new, right? Like, we mean you don't need to see more of these six-man ladder matches. I want them to... I guess they're starting at the bottom floor. Are they going into the the warehouse area? Where all like the the goodies and stuff are hidden, like the Undertaker's casket and the the DX drag race car or whatever. Like they got to start there and just basically give us like a giant tour of HQ. Go into Vince's office and maybe the manure Stone Cold dumped in there is still there. Like th- this is the kind of stuff that I want. I like the way you're asking me about this. Like I'm in the match. Yeah. I'm not in the match, Jim. I can confirm. <laughs> but what I will say is they recently. I don't know if you saw this. So I'll bring it up. They recently at WrestleMania did a PC tour as a match, and it was that match with Edge and Randy Orton. So if, if you haven't checked that out yet, guys, very similar ideas to what Jeremy just framed there. But Jeremy's banking on the fact that the WWE headquarters are more interesting than the performance center. And he's probably right. I just want to make it clear it would not be the first match of its kind. Uh, the, the performance center tour match was an outstanding piece of business that it's about a 40 minute tour. And. Look, you get all, you see everything of the performance center. So yeah, I do want something similar, and I am banking that headquarters is just a lot better than the performance center. I I go to the performance center, whatever they they fly out all these journalists and stuff to go to the performance center and take the tour and say nice things and do all this stuff. They're not doing this with HQ. They got stuff sure. buried at HQ. They HQ is where all the bodies are buried, and that's what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, even if they were, they're not flying me or you, so really does it matter to us, right? Like, I'm with you. I'm, I've, you've, you've gone two ways from here, Jeremy. Initially, you've made me very scared of this match, and now you've made me much more excited for it. So I don't know if that's your intention, but it has worked. Um, this will be what it will be. It's going to be framed as the greatest thing ever because there will be one or two moments of funny in the 40-minute match that takes place, which will combine for, like, legitimately about an hour and a half of the show once you get done with both. Um but someone will love it, and that's going to be fun, right? And then we can come on here the next week and do a whole bit where I didn't like it and you did, and it'll be it'll be great fun, just like all the other cinematic wrestling matches we've done so far. I'm going to enjoy this match. I've already you told will. myself I'm going to enjoy this match. Yes, and yes you will. <laughs> look, it takes a lot for me to not enjoy something that, in my head, I'm already yeah. going to enjoy. It takes a 40-minute performance center tour match for me to completely flip everything. So I loved. I don't want to dwell on that match because I do feel for the guys involved. But I did love watching social media during Edge and Orton because I wasn't on for the first. And then it got to the halfway point. I was like, I think this sucks, man. And I went on Twitter and I think your tweet was the first one. And it was like, hated it. 
Everyone was like, this is the worst match ever. I was like, okay. Quickly switched my phone off. I was like, I'm not alone here. This does suck. And then I was away, you know. You need something. You need permission that something sucks. I never got that with a Fly Fly Funhouse. So I was a little bit lost on that one. But yes, this will probably suck, but we will pretend it's good. Can we make that agreement now? Yes. Okay, good. Deal. <laughs> and you missed the layered and nuanced storytelling in Firefly yeah. Funhouse, and that's why you didn't enjoy it. And you're gonna, you might miss it in this match too, Joe. You I might will. miss it in this match as well. I always miss it, man. I just, I'm not sharp enough for it. I need the threads. If someone can do a live thread of the details when the match is happening, <laughs> there's a chance I'll figure it out myself. But if not, I'm doomed. Did you get the layered and nuanced storytelling with the black sheep mask and Braun Strowman? Did you pick up on that one? So what I gathered was, Jeremy, that he once wore that mask. Is that correct? Yes. And that meant that it had some kind of effect on him, and he began to shake. Did you notice his hands shook? Did he, you notice that? He was shook all over, not just his hands. Like, his entire body was shaking. It was like he had an out-of-body experience seeing that yes. mask. What would have happened if Electra or Nikki had opened the box? That's my question. They didn't notice that it was there. Braun was the one who True. saw it. He thought it was a gift from one of them. They were just like, this random box just appeared. But did they see it once he got it, or was it an actual figment of his and ours imagination? This is what I'm interested oh, in. Oh, that's a good point. Layers. Layers. <laughs> <laughs> On WWE <laughs> Raw, Drew McIntyre has just destroyed everyone. They have a faction with Zelina Vega, Andrade, Austin Theory, and Angel Garza. I don't know if they have a name. I'm just calling them Los WWE at this point. It seems like two weeks ago when they were kind of first put together, they beat a bunch of people, but then they got the Drew and Andrade beat Drew in about five minutes and laid them all out. This past Monday, he laid out Andrade again. He beat Garza in about five minutes, laid them all out again after the match. What do you make of the booking of Drew and Los WWE? Well, I think I'm in the hot take region here, Jeremy, because I love Garza, I love Zelina, I love Andrade. Austin Fury is cool. Um, <laughs> and I'm all for it. I say thumbs up, because when you have Drew, who looks the way he does, you have a chance to make him not every champ, babyface champ they've done. And what I mean by that isn't winning or losing. I mean like the way the matches are done in within the match Does that makes sense so like he just killed brock he took all of his moves and then beat him in four minutes they don't want to go straight back to the 50 50 deal i get it you don't want to go back to him doing 10 minute heat segments where he sits in a headlock i understand it i would i'm not loving the fact that these guys lose him but at the same time i don't think it's burying these guys as much as it's just not elevating them which is what we really want them to do to me they're in the same position of just like kind of aimless mid-card guys. And that's, I mean, that's all of a conversation for another day. But for Drew, I'm fine with it, but you have to stick with it against Rollins. If you just do a 25-minute match with Seth and they just have a normal world title match, like, at that point, this was all useless because he's back to being just a normal babyface at that point, right? So that part of it is important to me. I haven't got a problem with it. In fact, I kind of thumbs up just on the fact that they're actually, like, staying committed to the push and not saying, okay, he has the belt, so now we can not worry about him ever. Let's just get other guys over. So I'm with it, actually. I have no issue with the way they are treating Drew in this because mm -hmm. it's good. You're right. Like, yeah. they're not just putting him in 20-minute matches where he sits in a headlock for five minutes and just completely dies and people just stop caring about him a week after he wins the title. Like, that's good. I'm all for him running through guys. And not, not just guys. Like, these... Andrade is the U.S. champion. 
Austin Theory, Angel Garza, kind of presented as a big deal, even if they don't have like a ton of accolades. Zelina has been great on the microphone. Like he's not beating just like enhancement guys for in, in nothing matches. Like these mm-hmm. are presented as important matches and he's winning them very easily. But your point about they're not burying these guys, they're just not elevating them. That's kind of my issue with the whole thing is these these three, four, like, should be elevated. These are guys yeah. who can be kind of cornerstones of your brand even after all of this is over. Like, this is this is a faction that could be, like, a dominant faction for you, and you're kind of just running through them in three weeks of television. And, yeah, if, if he goes 20 minutes with Seth Rollins and, and still wins and it's, like, a hard-fought victory and stuff, like – then it does even less than nothing for these two. Yeah. No, you're right. But I think the real issue there is in Andrade, right? Like, look, we love Garza and we think he's great, but he's still new enough that it's like he's in there with a champ, not a big deal. Andrade has been in this exact position now for two years. And, yeah. look, you can analyse it any which way. He could have just come up and it'd be the exact same amount of over, right? Like, he's just not – they've never committed enough. They don't bury the guy. He's he's around. He's a featured mid-card guy that can move up and down. But – They've not done anything with him. So he's the concerning part. And the reason I'm not bothered about it, and this is way too much faith, Jeremy, trust me, this is way too much. You shouldn't have this. But I do think there's an angle oncoming with the Andrade. I think, I don't think this is a long-term faction. I think you're going to eventually see Zelina pick um, Theory and Gaza, and that will be the switch that they've probably wanted to do with Andrade since the 90s. So, yeah, I... I that's where I think it's headed, and in that case, I mean, I can't argue with that as an idea. I think it's very good. I just, I wish they'd have got Andrade over more as a heel, if that is eventually where they go, right? Andrade is the issue, because not only has he been in the same position, but he's the United States champion. Like this, yeah. I get this title, these secondary titles, really don't mean a whole lot anymore. And, I mean, that's 100% their fault with how they've booked them theoretically these secondary titles should mean something like if you do a champion versus champion match it should be this competitive like great match Mm -hmm. not the world champion squashes the united states champion in five minutes like why would anybody go after this u.s title it's a meaningless belt um and and that is the issue like don't beat this guy in five minutes when he's the u.s champion don't beat him in five minutes kind of at all with the way they've booked him overall over the past few years but that that is my issue with the way on Andrade and look I you do have a lot of faith in them actually going this route I don't think they're going this route at all I feel like this is just a group of guys who are gonna stick together for five years and then uh, who knows maybe they end up breaking up or something but I don't think they have any real game plan with these three other than hey selena vega is is a really good talker she's already mm-hmm. with andrade theory and garza make sense and also are around let's put them all together and then we'll figure something out after this pandemic is over yeah i mean if you'd have told me two years ago that andrade would be in the position he's in now i would have said no way so i definitely have too much faith <laughs> in terms of what they see in him because i see saying very different it appears but no you're right i mean i think like, the U.S. title deal, it's a very simple thing, and I think it's been so long since they did this that people have forgotten it. So the thing where Zelina came out and spoke to Drew and kind of, you know, positioned Andrade for that match, to get the belts over, the way to position them is that when you have that belt, you're, like, waiting for a title shot at the world title. Does that make sense? Like, you're 
Like you're in line because you're the US champ, and that's the second greatest honor you can have. In WWE, it's just like its own little world of mid-card fellows, right? And that's yeah. the, the actual problem. Like, that's why you're right in saying champ versus champ should be a big deal because it means he's held on to that belt long enough that he's become undeniable for a title match. And a non-title match on Raw, right? It wasn't for any kind of belt. I'm, no, I'm assuming, right? On Raw. Match. Yeah. So that that's the problem, basically. If anyone's wondering what they're supposed to do, ideally those belts mean something, not just extra belts for the sake of it. Maybe if it was a title match, Andrade would have been more motivated. He's like, this is a non-title sure. match. What do I have to prove here? Like, just yeah. end it. They're also, like, the laying them out after matches and before yeah. matches and stuff. It also feels like a little, like, these guys just look like idiots at every single turn when they're going after Drew. I'm with you. Like, I, I don't disagree with you. You know, I think you know I don't want, like, ideally I don't want these three guys in this spot. I just... I'm hesitant, while I agree with what you're saying, I'm hesitant to be like critical because I just like that they're actually, they realise the belt doesn't mean enough anymore that you can put it on a guy and be like, okay, he's made, who's next? Does that make sense? Like, I don't want him to do that anymore. It's bad. It kills everyone. Their Drew is still very much a work in progress as top guy, not because of him, because you have to train the audience. It takes a long time to smash over the fact that he's like not just another dude. He's a top guy, the main event mania. So if it means you have to sacrifice these guys fine just make sure you have some kind of plan as to making them important again the concern is i sense there is a plan for some reason and you don't which is why you're probably le like less on this than i am right that's probably what it is and with drew if they can make him and actually like make him and it not just be a thing of all right he's the title root for him T tune in to see him you liked him before all this now you're going to turn on him. Fine. If you've got to sacrifice Andrade, Garza, and in theory, that's that's okay, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if Drew gets made and becomes, I don't know if he's going to, like, transcend wrestling like previous yeah. top stars have done. But if he could just be made and just turn something around, fine. But, one, I don't have faith that they're actually going to stick with it. Like, this conversation can be really dumb in two weeks when he just goes 20 minutes with Seth Rollins yeah. and Rollins ha nearly hasn't beat a bunch of times. And it's like, all right, he's just Drew McIntyre having cool matches and stuff again, like whatever, then all this is going to be dumb. But if they're actually going to make Drew, okay, you got to sacrifice people to make people. That's And they have enough people that they can sacrifice. And no offense to Andrade and all those guys, like they're, they can be sacrificial. Yeah, I mean, with how much content they produce, man, almost anyone can be at this point. I know yeah. that's, that's not what anyone wants to hear because it sucks as a fan. But as a fan of guys, you just watch them get made so like idiots at times. And I know that's not fun. I appreciate it. But they just have so many ways to get guys out of trouble. Like, Drew's been in this position, right? Drew's been sacrificed before to get other guys over. So I'm not worried about them because I'm an idiot. That is the conclusion <laughs> of this segment of the show. <laughs> um, are you worried about Drake Maverick and yes. where they're going with this storyline. Drake Maverick was part of the mass releases last week. He did this very heartfelt social media video where he's like, I'm going to WWE is going to allow me to keep competing in this cruiserweight tournament. So I, I will be in that. Those will be my final matches. And they've really pushed all of this. He was on the bump on Wednesday 
talking about like I'm gonna prove everybody wrong. I'm gonna stick it to them. Like I'm going out there. Like I get a chance to fight for my career. They're pushing this on NXT as well. Like these are the final matches. Like he's he's fighting for his career essentially to where people and I'm one of them honestly. People think like this is now an angle. People think that he's gonna be rehired 100% after this. People think that maybe that I'm not in this category. People think that maybe like his firing was fake and like they just fired him to do this angle. Where do you stand on all this, Joe? I mean, I'm more worried about the angle than I am him because I just think he's such a talented guy. Like me and you both spoke, right? I think we both had him in the category of he'll come back. Yeah. Um, but he can work so many places in so many roles. I just think this is like very dangerous territory because. Okay, what's the ideal scenario? They've already worked something out of him, and he's, like, coming back immediately. Cool. Then the problem becomes you're making an angle out of something where, like, some, like most of these people are actually coming back in these terms. Like, they're actually sitting at home without a job. So then it becomes a thing of, like, you're exploiting the other real releases with a guy that you've made up with. I don't believe the whole thing was a work. I just think there's probably people that didn't know he was getting fired. It's probably the truth, right? Like, and then you end up in this position. If he's not getting his job back, this is like insane. Like, I mean, it's already crazy. Don't get me wrong. But if he's just going to lose three matches in the tournament and be like, okay, that's the end of Drake. I have no clue. Cause it wasn't like you pointed out, this wasn't just a match. He was on their online show and he did a promo on, on TV too. Like this is the main angle of last night's show. So I don't know where, I don't know how you come out of this one without looking bad in some way. I just hope he gets his job back because while it ain't perfect on immoral terms, like at least it's not as bad as just not ever giving him his job back and just making an angle out of his fire. And that's insane to me. I don't think anything good comes of this. No. Um, obviously they've, they've turned it into an angle. They've gone full bore with it. I don't think it was a, let's fire him as a work to do this angle. If it was like, I don't even know. Like you're going to fire real people and then do he this firing just to do this angle. Like that's, yeah. that's messed up on a lot of levels. Um, so, so I don't think that's the case. I, I'm with you that Vince McMahon made this decision. I, I would assume he probably had no idea Drake Maverick was in this tournament. He probably had no idea that he was doing this tournament. He's like, what is an interim cruiserweight title? He, he doesn't know. And so he just made this decision and then it turned into a thing. Uh, maybe Triple H, maybe, maybe Regal, somebody, Canyon Seaman. I don't know. They're like, Hey, do you like still want to do these matches? And, Drake maybe said yes. He did that video online. Like that video got a lot of likes and retweets and stuff. Like that that was the most popular video or message that all these wrestlers put out after they got their re released. Like that was the one that blew up the most. Maybe they saw that and was like, "Okay, are you comfortable with turning this into an angle?" Drake I guess said yes. I hope they have it worked out to where he is coming back because you're right. Like if they're doing all this and then it's like by the way, you're still fired. Like, you just exploited this guy for three weeks of television and his release for three weeks of television and kept him released. I don't think it's good if they're doing this and still are bringing him back because like, there are still other people who did get their release who, yeah. like, that still affects them in a very big way. But at least that's the best case scenario out of this, all of this, I think. 
yeah, I mean that is definitely the best option. It's just that's the deal, right? Like there's no there's no version of this where it's like, okay, that wasn't bad in any way. Yeah. <laughs> like our best case is that they decide to rehire a guy and then use it as an angle while like 25, 30 people were actually sent home with a job. Because obviously there's more people, as we've discussed, than has been announced on .com. So like, it's just not good. But I guess anything to fill content, right? And I'm sure, and by the way, like, to be clear, I think both me and you are aware, Drake is probably all in on this. We're not questioning, like, we're not making it seem right. as though it's disappointing him. I'm sure he loves making it something that we can buy into and believe him. Um, we just are very cautious of what it could mean kind of in the grand scheme of things, if that makes sense. It's not so much a Drake thing. It's like, okay, but you're using it for an angle while other people actually got fired. It's very odd ground, I think. If And if you're Drake, what are you supposed to do? Exactly. You know, if if yeah. they come to you, like, I do think that that message he posted was very genuine and very yeah. heartfelt. And that's when I think they saw that and were like, let's do something with this. And like, if you come to him and say, let's do something like this, is he just supposed to be like, no, like, let me just wrestle these matches and be done. I mean, if he has assurances that he's getting his job back and we don't know this, like if he has those insurances, he's probably like, okay, yeah, like let's make this an angle. Let's get something like we love Drake. He's still a pro wrestler at heart. Uh, And you know, anything to, work put the business over whatever you got to do like that's that's what he can do and he's very good at this he's very believable like i i'm I'm sure a lot of this is very genuine but at the same time i could tell on the bump yesterday watching that interview some of it felt like all right this like you're just working the angle here and another Mm -hmm. part of it felt like you're actually like really pissed off and like believe a lot of this stuff so he's very good at whatever he's doing Pro wrestlers love blurring those lines, yeah. right? Like we talk about it all the time, and I don't think me and you are like super high on any of it, but they love doing it. And Drake is amazing at like, for, I don't know, I understand why he's not a big deal as an in-ring guy for them when they have all the, all that talent, but he wrestles with emotion in a way that very few people on the whole roster do, and I mean that as like uh, the utmost com- like compliment, right? Like he really has emotion and passion in what he's doing, and so then. That makes me just believe that he has no issue using it this way, regardless if he's getting a job or not, because he feels like he's entertaining us, and that probably means a lot to him. It's cool. It just makes me feel a little uncomfortable because I don't know what's going on with it. It's not a case of me wanting to know. It's a case of me just thinking, like, who is this going to be offensive to? Is it going to be everyone or just the poor people that are actually home fired? So I don't know. I don't know where this ends and how it can be good, but it's very dangerous territory to enter in, I think. I think if he does get his job back the people who did get fired will probably be happy for him. It seems like you don't hear a lot of bad words about Drake Maverick. It it seems like Mm -hmm. he's very like, well liked by, by just about everyone. And yeah, as far as him entertaining goes, like this is a guy who was like, yeah, come film at my wedding. We'll do a 24 seven title. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The the P machine broke. Like I will actually piss myself to, to make this (laughs) angle work. Like, this is a guy who is willing to do whatever needs to be done to, to get the angle over. And so, I mean, that's why I think he's, he's believable in this role as well. Like he, like you said, he just wants to entertain. He wants to put smiles on faces, Joseph. He does. And the thing it is hilarious. If someone saw that video and was like, it's hiring back. He's a pretty good promo, right? Like, I mean, 
I love that he got to this point before someone realized how useful he was. Like he's great at everything, man. Figure out something for him to do on TV before you have to fire him and make him post like a heartbreaking video on social media that gets over. There's surely another way, but I mean, that's very on brand for them, right? Like, of course, that's how they'd find out that he can really make people care, of course. Uh, we're going to move on to AEW and a topic that you brought up to me to kind of play off of the AEW TNT title tournament. We've had in this tournament Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, two who we believe are kind of like cornerstone guys in AEW. They've been positioned very well. Guevara with Chris Jericho, Darby Allen, you know, going the limit with Chris Jericho, going the limit with Cody. There's also MJF who has been involved with uh, Jericho and Cody. And there's um, Jungle Boy who has been involved mm-hmm. with, with Chris Jericho. Jungle Boy not really on television right now because of everything. MJF not even – I mean they ran the hangnail angle uh, for him, which I thought was great. Um, it was. For him. So he's not really on television. But those four are four guys who when you're looking at AEW – yeah, you got the Elite, you got Jericho, you got Moxley, you're bringing in some more WWE guys like Brody and Matt Hardy. But five, ten years from now, we're going to be looking at these four, and it's like these four should be your big four kind of cornerstones of the company years down the line. Joe, if you're building a company, if you have the number one overall pick out of MJF, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, who are you taking with that pick? Okay, so there's two heels and two babyfaces here, and I think the heel side is safe because of how modern wrestling is. It's very hard, babyface-wise. I think then it becomes a matter of taste, and I would go MJF because I love what MJF can give you as a guy, like 10 minutes in the middle of the ring with a microphone, go. Sammy is a great character and personality. I don't know if he's that yet, right? Like, obviously, there's things Sammy does better. We're aware of that, but that's why I think it becomes a matter of taste. This is what's interesting to me, Jeremy, is... There is, uh, there's an argument to be made for all four of them, I think. But Jungle Boy may actually have the most crossover appeal, which is very interesting. Darby is that Jeff Hardy deal, like where it's like there's an audience you can maximise and it'd be an absolute game changer. There's also a way I could see it not working as a top guy that's champ and stuff. I could see him being more of an attraction. Then Sammy is, the, you know, the thing is, is he as complete a heel as, as MJF, or is he just better in ring? I don't know. I, I would go MJF. What about you? I would go with Sammy, and I think okay. he... One, I like his ring work better than MJF. Mm-hmm. I do think he's a little bit more diverse than MJF. Um, I think you can turn Sammy into a very good baby face at mm-hmm. some point down the line. MJF is so committed to this heel thing that... It's tough to envision him as a babyface. I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but he's such a good heel that, and his his stick is very good. He's great on the microphone. I think it wears thin a lot of times. I think Sammy is just more diverse. You can get more out of him than than MJF. Jungle Boy, I'm with you. Crossover appeal. Look, you can you can play the the Luke Perry angle until. And, and until you need to uh with that and put them on put them on shows and stuff but i think you could kind of do the same thing with sammy because he's a good look spanish god good looking guy yeah. um and darby darby i think darby has the the lowest ceiling of them all because 
he does appeal to just kind of like one sector of the audience. And it is a big, it is the a Jeff Hardy thing. Jeff Hardy, yes, he got over with the entire audience, but it's really one sector that was like kind of pushing him up to that level and everybody else just kind of caught on. But once he got there, it's like, all right, it sort of fizzled out. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think Darby creatively, I think he's the most creative of all four of these guys with just stuff he does in the ring, the way he moves in the ring, the way he makes everything looks and then his video package and stuff as well. I just don't know if that kind of like half dead thing, kind of daredevil style type thing, if that plays to kind of like a national type audience. Yeah. And I think it's also the thing of like, can you see him as the guy that you build around or is he like the perfect second, right? right? Like, is he the perfect baby face for the fans that don't care too much about who the champ is? I don't know if he's going to be going to be coming out with the belt over his shoulder. And oh, look, I don't like the idea that every champ has to do like massive in-ring promos. That's the worst thing, right? I don't need that. What I'm saying is I don't know if he's that guy that he kind of needs the belt. I think he's probably not going to end up that way. It doesn't surprise me at all that we both went with the same, with the heels, just different sides of the coin, right? Because, with the baby faces, it's like there's a chance if you go too quick with Darby, he loses his appeal. With Jungle Boy, I think there's a chance if you push him too strong, the AEW audience would just like kind of resent it a little bit. I hate to say that. I love the guy, but I just think I could see that happening because he's like an old school baby face, right? Like if you have him go over strong, man, they're going to be people that think it's like doesn't work for them. So the heels side to me is a lot safer. And then it becomes a matter of like whether you like what Sammy brings or MJF. I'm not going to lie, you kind of have me here because I'm with you actually on the Sammy babyface part is actually like a huge deal. Because once you say goodbye to your credit card rewards, greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You get him to a point where the audience admires him, you can turn him babyface like immediately. That's actually a major plus in his uh, his way, I think. Yeah, with that's why I like Sammy the most. I apologize. There's gardening <laughs> going on. I, I if you can hear that outside, they're mowing the grass, and uh, you know my my personal uh, landscapers are out there yeah. from the Lambert Mansion, just giving giving a good trim to all the hedges and everything. Um, with Sammy, the babyface appeal, like that is why I was sold on that, and that that's why I would take him. MJF, it's not quite there for me, and I'm not saying like he can't do it; he probably can. Like I think yeah. MJF, you you give him kind of anything, and he'll probably knock it out of out of the park. Uh, Sammy, it's more noticeable even now. MJF is like because he is committed to this heel character. It's like, all right, can he pull off 
this baby face thing, and I'm sure he can. I just haven't even seen like hints of it. Sammy, you can kind of see those hints of like, okay, yeah, he's like kind of like a cool, suave baby face that the fans can uh, sort of get behind. Jungle Boy, he's the biggest work in progress to me, and I don't think that's mm-hmm. anything bad on him. I think that's just AEW hasn't presented him on the level of these other three so far. I mean, they've got MJF paired with yeah. Cody. They've had Guevara paired with Jericho. Darby has worked with, with both guys. Jungle Boy, outside of that match against Jericho, which was great, but before that, he just lost a bunch of matches, and it feels mm. like he's kind of just lost matches since then as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we both love Jungle Boy. We'd be... It would be a little bit of a leap to be like, he is my first pick, right? Like, I think yeah. we see it. We see the potential, but... It would be a bit far when Sammy and NJF have shown as much stuff. And Darby, too. Darby's shown a ton. Like, he's got over huge with that audience. Um, it's very interesting. There is definitely a charm to Sammy. Even though his look is pure heel, like, there is a charm to him that I agree with you. I could see it translating pretty easily. So, I thought it was interesting. It's, it's cool that they have them four guys, though, right? Let's see how it actually pans out. Obviously, sometimes these things don't work out as you expect them to. But hopefully, they're doing good in five, ten years, right? If these aren't your four guys that like that's headlining the majority of your pay-per-views in five years, I don't know. Something went wrong somewhere because mm. that's where they should be. I mean, Jericho, like Jericho, probably shouldn't be headlining pay-per-views in five years. Maybe he can. He'll reinvent himself and yeah. do some cool gimmick. And we're like, oh man, fucking Chris Jericho, still the absolute best. Um, Cody will probably still be there. The elite guys will be there in some capacity. You know what I'm actually taking? I'm taking Hangman Page or all these guys. That's who I'm building yeah. around. See, I just, I looked at him as like, I can never figure out if he's established or up and coming, but yeah. I just kind of put him in the other category because, like, while the AEW audience is bigger than the Ring of Honor one, like, it is, I realized this when I was writing my feature at Hangman, I felt disrespectful to the RH fans when I was talking about Hangman, like he was like a young lion. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's been pretty awesome for a long time. He's been around for a long time. But he is definitely new to most people watching AEW, I think. So, he's actually the guy I think me and you like most. Yeah. But I look at him as kind of like the tier above for whatever reason. I, I agree with you, and that's why I didn't even bring him up. And when we were talking about, all right, who are we putting in this category? I was going to say mm-hmm. Hangman, but I had the same thought of like, I mean, he headlined their their pay per view against Jericho. Like he's part of the yeah. elite, so it's kind of tough to feel like he's this new star on the block. But for a lot of fans, like he is this new star on the block. Oh, he's my favorite guy in AW. I think he's I mean, awesome. he's awesome. I just. I just feel like he's there to me, right? Like he's like a step away from just being like the champ. So I, well, I assume, I hope that's how it works out. But with the way things are, I don't even know when we're going to be on TV next. So that's another thing, right? <laughs> Hangman is awesome. I don't know. He is. It'd be great if they could get him back on TV, but he actually wants to follow the rules and everything. So I don't know. Yeah. One of those guys, huh? Yeah, one of those guys. Uh <laughs> So we'll see what happens with uh, Hangman and all these guys uh, over the next few years. Joseph, jumping back to, to WWE here. Big celebration on tomorrow night's SmackDown. Huge, monumental. 25 years of the game, Triple H. Made his debut in April 1995, squashing people with the RKO on Wrestling Challenge and Superstars. Over the last 25 years, Joe, give me just one. I know it's tough. 
just one of your favorite Triple H memories? To me, Triple H's absolute peak, by miles to me, is when like a few guys got injured that year in WrestleMania season, and he was like, anyone thought of putting the belt on that Triple H guy? Huh? Like, and just kind of wandered into a Royal Rumble, and like next thing I knew, he was doing arm bars to Roman Reigns in a 35-minute WrestleMania main event. To me, that is like the perfect encapsulation of Triple H-ness. He's a very strange wrestler. He holds his own place in history because of his links. Like, people talk about politics and stuff, and that ain't my deal. I don't do that. But, like, he is actually part of the office. Like, he's a, a genuine part of the family, for goodness sakes. Like, he's very unique. It's very hard to kind of gauge what is authentic and what is not. I don't know. He puts smiles on faces, though, Jeremy. And we are going to celebrate him, for better or worse, tomorrow night, right? I don't think it's just tomorrow night. Like, they're saying oh, the no. beginning... This is what, this is what, what yes, you got to listen to the text here, Joe. You got to okay. listen to what they're saying, not what they're showing you. They okay. are saying the start of the celebration. This makes me believe this is a week-long thing. Like, they're going to do this on Raw. They're going to do this on NXT. I mean, God knows we got to have a Triple H celebration on NXT. SmackDown is going to be, like, you know, the early kind of year, the D-Generation X Triple H stuff. Raw, because SmackDown, whatever, Triple H, he was a big part of SmackDown, but he, he was always a Raw guy because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. That's why JBL mm. was the champion, if you recall. Raw is when Triple H was like Triple H. So that's when you're really going to see like the big celebration of all the title wins, all his great WrestleMania moments, stuff like that. And then you're going to transition to NXT where you're getting the Papa Paul years. And that's when they're going to celebrate Papa Paul Triple H. This is my theory. Okay. <laughs> okay. Please give it to me, Joey, please. I, no, that, um, that's it. That's my theory that, that uh, that's what's going to happen. Oh, God. I thought it was going to be like a, something awful at the end of it. Okay, that's fine. I, okay, let's just... You talk about Raw, okay? You know his incredible like all-time Raw run where he was champ? That's actually the best ever Triple H moment. Like, because what happened was, and people might not remember this, so I'll give him a little history lesson. So what happened was Triple H came back as a baby face. Correct, Jeremy? Yes. He was a baby face. He Big won the Royal pop. Rumble. Yep. He won the Royal Rumble. He had an absolute, like, nothing main event at WrestleMania with Chris Jericho. <laughs> um, an objectively better professional wrestler. Uh, and then he he just realized it wasn't working right he wasn't a baby face yet he had to wait a few more years before he could do that whole thing and he said you know who was good rick flair was good what if i just become rick flair and have rick flair in my corner to convince people i'm not just cosplaying as rick flair and they were like how far do you want to go with it and he was like what if i wear suits sunglasses and even get the big gold belt and they were like let's go and then Raw was bad for two years. But that was my history lesson on it. I don't know if you've got a different opinion on this, Jeremy. Maybe you do. My favorite Triple H moment is when they just handed him the title. Yes. <laughs> like, here. Here you go, buddy. Um, I'm, look, I like D-Generation X Triple H. Oh. That's kind of oh. when I grew up on. Look, look, Joe. Listen. Listen. <laughs> WWE does not put WCW out of business. If True. Triple H... Road Dog, Billy Gunn, Sean Waltman, better known as X-Pac, and China don't stroll, stroll up to WCW in the war tank. And WCW yeah. doesn't let it. They had a giant tank 
complete with the the missile launcher that's on the front. Mm-hmm. It was all there. It wasn't just a yeah, jeep. No. It was a whole tank, Joe. You're right, man. There's a, there's a big misconception about like people channel flicking for Austin and Rock. And it's like, how dumb do you have to be? They wanted to see the, the crotch chopping, right? That's what they were tuning in for. But look, Triple H is good. He's cool. I find it hysterical, some of the stuff that they like position him in historically. But like at the same time, I admire it. Like, that's what I would do if I had any say, right? I'd pretend I was like the greatest wrestler of all time. He's cool. Where is he in your like all-time... I don't want to make you do a list here, Jeremy. I know it's very hard. What I'm saying is, like, tier-wise, are you one of the people that actually has him in, like, the top tier of professional wrestling? Or is he just like, he was cool. I don't know how he ended up 25-time world champ. Or are you a full Bret Hart, like, what has he ever done guy? Which is my favorite. I give Triple H a 4 out of 10. Yes, Uh, correct answer. (laughs) If Triple H is in my top tier, then my top tier is is very loose. Uh, I will say that. Um, yeah. he, he's not in my top tier. And I think that's something uh, I, I'm a Shawn Michaels guy, love Bret Hart, obviously rock Austin, Flair, Hogan. If you're, when we're talking about draws and stuff, like those guys are all there. Triple H is very, like, he's a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Wasn't like a huge draw, but his accolades are something that just like completely here's, here's one for you. Career wise. Peak wise, are you taking Triple H or Randy Orton? Oh, Orton every day. Okay. Yeah, I'll take Orton because, like in history, people remember Triple H's good matches, but they also forget that like the matches they hate that Orton has. Triple like, H Triple is H involved has, in them. <laughs> he, yeah, well, yeah, that for a start. But like, he has many matches like that where he has like a twenty-five minute heat segment working over a leg so he can't pedigree. Like, I just. The thing is, there's hyperbole all the time. And people say Triple H sucked. He didn't suck. He was a good wrestler. They had some really great matches. Some not so great matches. Everyone does that. There's nothing wrong with that. He was overexposed, which makes us think less of him as a promo than we probably should. He does have some great promos, definitely. But like, I just feel like Alton... It's weird to talk about Alton because he's been in one set of hands his whole career, if that makes sense. But I feel like Alton could be a huge draw in heel. He just... It never quite... Like, he had that time, we know when he was punting everyone, that's like a money heel. I'd take that over Triple H, anything Triple H, anytime. But there is issues with Alton, which we've discussed many times, but I just think he's, to me, I would rather build around him, even though he might not be as good on, like, a stat sheet, if that makes sense. I think Orton's punts would have been more effective if he put his hand over his foot when he kicked the people. Oh, now that's a callback, <laughs> right? Now, that wasn't for the casual fans, Jeremy. That was not for the casual fans. No. That's where you let yourself down as a major star. You've come down to my level now. You're talking about the sledgehammers. You're talking about the hands over the sledgehammer. So I'm with you. Look, I, I actually think that's probably controversial. I just said Alton over Triple H. But I'm going to do that and raise you one. Okay? Here's a great one. Now, this is way off to it, Jeremy. You're going to have to let me go with this, okay? Evolution. All four of them in their prime were on the draft board. True or false, Triple H goes fourth. In their prime? Yes. I'm taking Batista first. I don't care what anyone else says. I'm fine with that. He's money, man. Yeah. Money, baby face, or heel. I love Batista. Mm-hmm. Do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Flair, I mean, Flair in his prime, Look, I can just throw him in there with anybody, get a great match, and promo-wise, yeah, yeah, Flair's going before Triple H. Mm-hmm. Orton is the one that I'm sort of iffy on. Like, I'm not as high on Randy Orton. As you are. I, no I, one is. 
<laughs> I think he's very good. I think we'll look back and probably feel like he was underrated because yeah. he was just around for so long. Um, I'm going to take Triple H over Randy Orton. I'm sorry to do it to you. I just look, it still is great to me. He goes third in his own faction of four horsemen. I just like never forget, look, mate, anyone who watches this somehow ends up in power and a wrestling promotion. Like just think of your favorite wrestling, just cosplay as them for two years and no one will even know you're redoing anything, right? Like most people watching Raw, like, he's wearing a suit deal with the sunglasses is something, huh? What a hot deal this is. But yeah. Triple H is fine. I hope they don't show us long matches of his and instead do like war tank nonsense and all that stuff. Oh, I hope we get. I think I listened um, to I listened to uh, him with with Corey Graves. What a what an interview that was today on after the bell, and I think we're gonna get surprises on Friday, Joe. I think we're, we're gonna get a Shawn Michaels cameo. Like you gotta have Shawn and Triple oh, H right. together. Did you know they're really good friends? Great friends, no. Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Um, great comedic duo too, right? <laughs> Hilarious pair of guys. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm looking for. I mean, did, by the way, did Corey and Triple H when they did that interview? Did they like? They they shot straight, right? They didn't they didn't pull any punches. No, anything, never, never. No, because it, that's what that show is all about. Like, no one even knows that show exists in the office, right? They're just talking, man. It's pretty cool. It's like our deal here, right? No one knows it's happening other than the two guys doing it. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, I think we're gonna get some cameos. We're gonna get a lot of video packages. Triple H gets a bad rap. I'm just going to say it. It gets a bad rap. They, from they, who? From me? Yeah, from you, from <laughs> from all the people. When they look at his career, they say he buried all these guys. Look at all the guys he put over. Look at yeah. all the guys he put over. Randy Orton, Batista. Oh, he, come on. <laughs> he made Flair at the very end. Like, Flair, everyone thought he was done. Triple H is like, nope, I'm going to boost this guy back. Shawn Michaels? Where would Shawn Michaels be? Without tri- the Undertaker, how many times did Triple H put the Undertaker over at WrestleMania? He could have ended that streak. He was like, no, 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 keep it going. You can beat me. Everyone in NXT, none of these guys would be over without Triple H. They wouldn't be around without Triple H. The Ric Flair one is the best one because <laughs> while I believe it all, Rick is like, he allowed me to believe in myself again. And then you look at the before and after pics and it's like, that... Or he aged you approximately 30 years by trying to make you live like a horseman again. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just because he wanted to be one. Like, I, I admire that. But he has, in all seriousness, he's had a lot of good like influence on wrestling. I think it's pretty clear he's changed the way they look at signing guys. Now, at times yeah, that has been a major... sign everybody. <laughs> yeah, at times that has been a major negative because guys that don't actually do anything there have been signed. But like, Samoa Joe probably doesn't get a run there without him, right? Owens... Guys like that, sure. You know, and he give me Alexa Bliss. I have to give him that much, right, Jeremy? So, look, he's been great. You're right. I give him a bad rap. You're 100% right. And all them people he put over you listed, too. Can't argue with that, Jeremy. <laughs> Cannot argue with that. Um, <laughs> we're going to move on from Triple H to talk about a much greater wrestler to celebrate. It is the GOAT, John Cena's birthday. He turns 43 today, Joe. John Cena might might be dead for all we know. We have not seen him. He just disappeared. But give me a good John Cena memory. John, who do you have? I, I know you're down on Triple H. You would take John Cena over Triple H at the very least, right? I know you don't like John Cena, but my God, don't do this to me. Okay, look, I have to be clear about this. I very much like John Cena, and I admire him perhaps more than any other pro wrestler. 
I just don't like the thing where we're retroactively pretending he was the coolest guy in the world when he was top guy. Like, you know, like people booed him. What a bunch of losers. Like, well, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the idea. Like, he was appealing to an audience that wasn't in the crowd, basically, right, a lot of the time. Cena is an all-time top guy. There's only, like, very few men you can take over Cena to build around. Triple H is not even near that list. Like, as a babyface... He, he's not the guy to build around. And as a heel, like, there's surely better options than Triple H, right? <laughs> Cena's an all-time guy, definitely. Um, memories, moments, a little tougher for me. I mean, he has some great matches, genuinely great matches. And I love the series with Styles, even though on rewatch, a lot of Cena matches on rewatch are less fun because they aren't like... They are a little reliant on the kick-out deal, right? They are just a little bit. But live, they're a lot of fun. And today, in honour of your hero, John Cena... I rewatched his Royal Rumble match with Umaga, which is like an all-time match. And if you're watching this and you haven't watched that, I don't know what you're doing with yourself. It's tremendous. And that is like peak scene to me. So all-time wrestler should be getting on it on SmackDown tonight, in my opinion. Tomorrow yeah. night, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they should definitely be celebrating John Cena over Triple H. Yes. It's easy to, to hate on John Cena. At the time, it was very easy to hate on John Cena. I do think mm-hmm. nowadays we look back on Cena and we're like, I wish wrestling was like this again. I think yeah. people just miss that, hey, there was an actual like top star in this business <laughs> who we yeah. could identify and, and point out and like root for or dislike. And now it's like, who? what are we doing here? Um, I am a, a huge John Cena fan that... That rap album, underrated, up there with uh, Jay-Z's debut, Eminem's debut, Kendrick Lamar's debut, John Cena right there. I would not want to catch this man on the streets in a battle. He would destroy any of these guys. Uh, Going to drop some rap battle knowledge on you here, Joe. Hollow the Don, Hollow the Don, would get killed by John Cena. Joe has no idea what I'm talking about. Disaster, destroyed by John Cena, Loaded Lux, destroyed by John Cena. All these guys just done if they step to John Cena in the battle ring. As far as matches goes, the Umanga match was awesome. I haven't seen it in a while. I should rewatch it, but I do remember loving that match live. Cena had some like great WrestleMania performances too that mm-hmm. I think get overlooked. I think as an in-ring performer, he'll probably get overlooked because people just like lol cena wins that whole thing but the guy's matches big match john i mean you give me you need one guy to go out there and perform taking john cena yeah like the thing is with cena matches is like if you want to analyze wrestling and look at the mechanics of it or dare i say jeremy the layers of it (laughs) like his biggest matches may not have always been genius or like technically expert but he always left the building like better off than he than he ended it in right yeah. like it always was people got into his matches and as a top guy that's all we can ask for his resume match wise is pretty much impossible to debate like he had great matches across the board um obviously sometimes you know you miss that's fine but wrestlemania he didn't miss much right unless i'm missing some i maybe avoid like i may be missing an awful wrestlemania match that i just can't remember but to me he delivered, and he was, and the most important thing for what he was, and the personality he was, and the star he was, going on last at WrestleMania, you could have faith that unless he was wrestling the Miz in 2011, <laughs> he would nail it, right? And he did nail it. Maybe it wasn't you know, a five star match, but it, it got the people rocking. And that's what you can do. John Cena, and and that's again, 
people are going to look back. They're probably not going to like him. John Cena did have that connection, though. You put yes. Roman Reigns out there against The Undertaker, and people are just like, this is terrible. This is an awful match. John Cena does it. Like You put him in that same position. It's a different dynamic because Cena got people to care one way or another. And there aren't any guys like that right now. And that sounds almost get off my, my lawn type of deal, but that's just <laughs> like, that's just where we're at right now is they're just, there's not those guys that like connect with the, the full scope of the audience. John Cena is really like the last person to do that. Yeah. I mean, I love Roman. I really do love the guy, but he has had four WrestleMania main events and like, I think it's four, and, and three of them, all of the ones except for the Brock one, like the audience just decided they didn't care. And that just didn't happen to Cena. Now, that isn't an indictment of Roman. It's just like the way things are now, I guess. But you're 100% right that unless it was a very odd circumstance, the people that hated Cena still cared enough to root for the guy he was facing. And as long as they were making some kind of noise, I know that's a WWE cliche, but it's been proven true. As long as they were making a noise about one of the guys in the match, it was cool, man, because the people got into it in the end. The problem has been, since Roman's been on top, like, they've carried on with that theory of, like, if they're making noise, they're into it. And it's been proven with Roman that, like, some of these matches, people just haven't cared. They boo because they feel nothing. It's, it's apathy, right? Like, it's just, we don't believe he's the top guy. I don't think Cena ever had that problem, but he got pure passion out of people. And it, every time, no matter who he was wrestling, if he was wrestling a guy that smart fans, so to speak, like, loved... It was even better, right? You had that awesome dynamic of like the hot crowd and then the let's go Cena, Cena sucks deal. He's a great guy in history. He's awesome in history because you can just go through all the best bits and like leave out the odd dumb promo and he's like the best wrestler ever, right? Easily. One of my favorite, my favorite Cena memory is the Rumble return where he's just standing there with mm -hmm. that look on his face and the crowd goes wild and everything because no one expected him to come back one of my favorite is just when he's walking out at ecw one night stand and that crowd just completely hates him and he just holds the title up and he has his head down and just walks through the audience and it's like this guy is completely hated by everyone here they got the if cena wins we riot sign which is a huge deal and stuff like this crowd despise this man and he just walks in there like He's just ready for anything. And like he carried himself that way. You imagine someone do it like Seth Rollins is going to walk in there. He's going to do a stupid laugh or whatever. And it's just, it's it's not going to work. Like, it's just not going to work. No, you're right. I, I can't. I think both me and you, like, we like a lot of the guys on the roster today. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend there's 20 John Cena's, like, waiting <laughs> to be coronated. I don't think it's true. I think Cena is very special. I think, ironically... While he was doing it on one side, Batista was doing it on the other, and I think Batista was probably a better candidate than anyone today too by quite a distance. That's probably like the weirdest part of it, right? But, yeah, it's hard to argue with Cena as a top guy. I would like to do, though, Jeremy, a little activity for you. This is a, little, this is a test of you, right? Now, and I know I said I didn't want to make you do lists and all that business. Collectively, can we come up with, like, what's your ultimate Cena matches, or has he got too many? Is, it, is that just insulting to ask? Um, I really like the, the Shawn Michaels WrestleMania match. The, mm -hmm. the punk mat, the, the punk matches are going to live on forever. And, you know, part of that's punk, but it's, it's still Cena. I love the Daniel Bryan match at SummerSlam. Summer yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a great match. Yeah. yeah. That's a great match. That had a great build too. Cena had a lot of matches with just like a great build 
as well. Mm -hmm. And then the matches, for the most part, like lived up to the hype. But there was always a good story of some sort just going into those matches. And I mean, part of that's on him. Part of that is on the the other guy. But a lot of it just comes down to one way or another, just people cared about John Cena. That Brian match and like the punk rivalry and stuff like while there's obviously flaws within it, I'm sure. I know the punk stuff is very flawed in terms of like the way they like, executed some of it. Yeah. That is like classic WWE stuff. And like, I know that at the time, probably people were saying this isn't as good as that era. And that's just how wrestling is, folks. It's always going to be that way. That's the way it is. But like Brian and Cena at SummerSlam felt like an actual event seeing those guys in there for that title. And that is special because we know that doesn't happen anymore. You don't even feel that for a lot of Brock matches now, and he hardly ever wrestles. Cena did carry a certain gravity, and you're right in saying, yeah, the other guys deserve credit, but Cena was a constant during a lot of that stuff, right? And obviously he was benefiting from the fact they slapped, they smashed him over and made a point of making stuff. Of course, but the staying power and always having that gravity of, like, his stuff mattered, you can't really pick too many holes in that, right? And, like, and he's not for everyone. We know that the promos especially... I think everyone agrees he's a capable promo in the sense he can cut amazing promos. What he did, maybe not for everyone, but he was a star. We'd do anything to have him right now. That's the point of it, right? I guess that's, that's the the conclusion of John Cena. He's the perfect example of a guy that we appreciated more when he was gone. He's the perfect example of that. John Cena, I, I need the rematch, the battle rematch against Jay-Z and Fabulous. Were you... Did you know about this show when they tried to like no. actually get Jay Z and Fabulous to like battle him at WrestleMania? You remember actually, the no. the promo he did where he battled the cardboard cutouts of them? I think this was WrestleMania twenty. You don't remember this no. at all? All right, no. well it was. I mean, I I'm insulted that you think I remember any of this. <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know how you thought I'd remember this, but I can confirm, Jeremy. I have absolutely no clue what you're talking about right now. But I'm glad you seem to enjoy it. So Go yeah, back. sure. I'm re- I'm rooting for the rematch too, Jeremy. I'm, I'm ready to <laughs> go back and watch the battles between Jay Z and the cardboard cutouts of Fabulous and Jay Z and John Cena. <laughs> I love that my recommendation was watch the the bloody <laughs> Last Man Standing match where John nearly like impales himself on steps, and you're like, check out that rap battle, man. That's the Cena. <laughs> That's what the distraction is about, right? It's a balance. It's always a balance, Jeremy. Happy birthday to the all-time GOAT, John Cena. Happy birthday to the current GOAT, Britt Baker. It is her birthday as well. Oh, she's not been in the news this week, right, Jeremy? No, I've not written anything about Britt Baker this week. Good, because I don't want to talk about it on the show, anything (laughs) controversial or people saying it would upset people, so I'm glad she wasn't in the news, Jeremy. Good, good news. It's just her birthday. That's all we know about Britt Baker this week. She was not on Dynamite uh, last night, so Britt Baker taking it easy for her birthday. She's a dentist, right? Jeez. That's what it is. And a role model, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> and Tony Schiavone's best friend. Yes. Aren't we all, though, right? Spiritually. That's, that's very true. Uh, that is going to wrap it up for us today, ladies and gentlemen. If you missed it, on Tuesday, we reviewed Netflix's WWE's The Main Event Quite honestly, one of the greatest pieces of cinema that has ever graced uh, any television screen out there. You can check out our review of that. I promise you, if you listen to the review first, you will not watch the movie the the same way that you would have initially. And if you watch the movie first and then listen to the review, we're going to point out just everything that you missed. Because you probably missed a lot if you just watch the movie and think, oh, okay, this was whatever. Listen to our review. You are going to be like, 
man, this is a deep, deep movie with uh, deep-seated issues and complications going on in these people's lives that I just didn't pick up on. That's why we're here, to let you know that layered and nuanced storytelling of the main event. Yeah, I'm glad we're starting to review this stuff, Jeremy, because you're really teaching me and taking me under your wing in terms of, like, just understanding, you know, what this stuff really means, right? There's more to it than what I see on the screen. People like me don't understand that, right? And I'm sure some of our audience, look, be, be big enough to admit it. Sometimes we miss the layers. I sure do, but Jeremy's here to help us. And sometimes, sometimes, Jeremy, I see a layer myself now, right? I'm learning. I'm learning that's, quick. That's right. You, I'm giving you the six-minute rub few few years from now you're going to be giving el- someone else the six minute rub and that's how the yep. business works ladies and gentlemen that's how it works leave it better than you found it jeremy that's what it's all about right that's, that's right. what Ryan, Ryan, Ryan always says you know it's, and other guys not been in the news carol <laughs> that that's right um this weekend so i guess i can kind of reveal everything right now i mentioned on the tuesday podcast For the weekend shows, we are bringing back the TEW series. TEW 2020, the demo came out today. I have not played it. Busy day, the financial call with WCW returning, new network deals, new streaming deals, new international deals, all of this thing going on. Haven't had a chance to play it. We'll get into it shortly, but this weekend we are doing a draft. So here's how this is going to work, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take modern WWE. One of us is going to run Raw. One of us is going to run SmackDown. NXT's on the board as well. We're going to draft a 40-person roster. And then we're going to go from there. But we're also going to get five kind of... What what would you call them, Joe? Just like... They're not draft picks. All-time picks, essentially? Picks from the past. Okay, picks from the past. See, you have a name for it. Let's trademark that. Um, So we're going to get five picks from the past. Or today, I I think we agreed that if you want Kenny Omega, you could... Yeah, yeah, so not quite the past. It doesn't work always, Jeremy, (laughs) but, you know, I was hoping you'd let me get away for a little bit. But, yeah, no, you can take anyone that isn't on the board, effectively, from the past, from today, whenever. Right. So we're going to get five picks from the past, so it adds uh, just some... Some more variety to the show. Otherwise, we'd just be booking modern WWE just with our own rosters. Um, and we don't want to do that. So we're going to get five picks from the past. We're going to book it out. We're going to set it up in in kind of a unique way. It's not going to be like WWE today where, all right, Joe's got to book three hours. I'm giving you Raw, so you, you have to do all three hours. I don't have to do two. Uh, Joe's got to book three hours. I got to book two Every October is your Hell in a Cell event. Every February, the eliminate. We're not, we're not doing all that. Or it's a reset, essentially reset in our vision, kind of our type of gimmicks and stuff. We're doing the draft this weekend. Next weekend, we'll kind of have a, I don't know, maybe a preview show, maybe a draft part mm-hmm. two. We'll, we'll figure out what's going on next weekend. Hopefully, two or three weeks from now, we'll be able to actually run the series. Because the game will come out a week from today. The problem is the mods probably won't come out until a little bit after that. Um, I know people are converting, but you've also got to convert it from the 2016 to the 2020. So there are changes there. It's not just a straight conversion, plug and play type of thing. So once all the mods come out, we'll be able to, to get everything in there. 
And we'll be doing our, our booking thing with TEW 2020. So that is going to be the weekend shows for the foreseeable future. So Tuesdays are movie TV reviews. Thursdays is actual wrestling stuff. And then weekends are the the return of the TEW series. And I just laid out kind of the, the universe we shall be creating. Very exciting times, Jeremy. Some big stars will be left on the board while me and you entertain each other with absolute <laughs> nonsense. That's my prediction. But I am prepared. As you know, Jeremy, I am prepared. And tomorrow I will have a full printout of preparation. So be ready, folks. It's not tomorrow. It's the weekend. Be ready. I'm coming prepared for this one. Joseph has done his research. He's held his combine. He's done interviews with all of these talents. Me, I'm too busy for all of this. I am just kind of, I'm going to be winging it. I, I've studied some footage. I have studied some footage, but I haven't been able to hold a combine, haven't been able to do the one-on-one meetings or the private tryouts or anything like that. I'm going all off of game game tape, Joe. That's all that matters. Yeah. You know, you can talk well, to these people. You can see how sure. they perform in front of no crowd and stuff. Who cares about that stuff? Game footage is how you learn about a person. What great symbolism it is, Jeremy, that after like weeks of you teaching about the layers of cinema and professional wrestling, our game is really, truly layered because it's really just a, a clash of ideologies in terms of drafting and sports, right, Jeremy? How wonderfully fitting is that? Huh? How great. We'll be doing that this weekend. Big draft. If you're a draft fan, the NFL draft is tonight. Joe, who are you taking number one in the NFL draft? I mean, I... I would have such a – I'd have to just make a name. I'm taking Joe Holbert in the NFL draft. That's, that's the best pick I could make. I know nothing about the NFL. Okay, that's just, that's just my – we'll have limitations, right? That's mine. And evolve. Evolve as well. <laughs> the WWE 24-7 plays in the NFL. He does. That's true. Champion. That seems exciting. Now, that's a good angle they're running there, right, with the comeback, old tag team partners reunite. I'm into that one. Okay, I'm with that. But the rest of it, I don't get it. Joe, let the people know where they can follow you on Twitter. They can follow me on Twitter at Joe Holbert5. I'm tweeting about Umaga matches, apparently, uh, or Umanga, as William Regal, my countryman, calls him. I think I think that was it, right? Manga. Yeah, Umanga, yeah. Yeah, William Regal's very good, too. I might tweet about him. Uh, I have nothing interesting to say, but I try, right, Jeremy? I do try. Joseph appeals to all the casual fans on Twitter True. if you want to follow him. You can follow me at Jeremy Lambert88. Check out Fightful.com. All your wrestling, MMA, boxing needs. Sign up to Fightful Select. We got exclusive news. Sean had a story on the WWE Money in the Bank, kind of how that was filmed at headquarters, the the stops and starts of all the filming, and some some behind the scenes news there. Behind the scenes news on other stuff. If you sign up to Fightful Select, I can afford a haircut. Triple H can afford a haircut. Joe oh, can yeah. afford a haircut if he wants one, which he doesn't mm-hmm. apparently. But you can Triple find H it. needs one. <laughs> You can sign up to Fightful Select to uh, support us and get get some backstage news, some exclusive news, some extra audio, early access to audio and columns, things of that nature. And we will talk to everybody tomorrow with the TEW 2020 draft, or Saturday, filming tomorrow, airing on Saturday. Thanks, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.